Hi, my friend. <laughs> I'm so glad we have each other because I don't think we would survive the Britney memoir storm otherwise. No, because between the press getting snippets of mm -hmm. the memoir and then people reacting to the snippets that we are getting of the memoir, TikTok clickbait, what this actually, like no one is actually thinking about what this means for A, Brittany, and B, women or mentally ill people at large. Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we analyze pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. I'm your host, Julia Washington, and if you're new around here, I am a biracial writer, podcast host based in California. When I'm not facilitating the Jelly Pops book club or recording this podcast or painting greeting cards, I'm teetering on existential dread and trying to convince my dog to snuggle. Today, my co-host from Still Comfy, Natalie Katona, and I are discussing the current media storm around Britney Spears and the release of her new memoir. We recorded this on Thursday the 19th and we're releasing it today, the day her book releases. We also get into the impact Britney has had on us since we learned of her all those years ago and how we are processing what's going on now. And now, here we go to the show. Hi, my friend. <laughs> I'm so glad we have each other because I don't think we would survive the Britney memoir storm otherwise. No, because between the press getting snippets mm -hmm. of the memoir and then people reacting to the snippets that we are getting of the memoir, TikTok clickbait, what this actually, like no one is actually thinking about what this means for A, Brittany and B, women or mentally ill people at large. It's a whole lot of, and we'll get into it, I'm sure, but there's a whole lot of, we need to feel sorry for Justin shit going uh, on and it makes me sick. As you know, I choose to never feel sorry for a rich white man, even when they're hurtling themselves to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> I think I want, I don't know where you want to start, but start with but i thought for all of the gen zers out there who only know britney as that girl who's trapped in her house doing mm -hmm. twirlies on instagram i just thought that we'd like go back in time yeah i'm here for it i was thinking this morning about the first time i experienced britney spears so yeah let's do it when was okay. the first time britney spears became our pop sensation so i remember the hit me baby one more time video like mm -hmm. everybody else my age, like that made a huge impression. We didn't have cable at the time. So I saw the video at a friend's house. And then by the time it made it to entertainment tonight, which was my regularly watched television show at the time, I was just blown away. But also remember, I went to private religious school. How many times have I said that this week? And she's in a uniform mm -hmm. and my mom was raised Catholic. We didn't have uniforms, but there was always the threat of uniforms. So then there was this rhetoric, at least in my corner of the world about how she's sexualizing a schoolgirl uniform. And at the time I didn't understand why people were so angry about that. And in adulthood now I'm like, no, but you all sexualize schoolgirls anyway. So why were right. you mad at Brittany? <laughs> It's only hot because you've decided it's hot. 
perverts. Yeah. yeah. So, and I remember it being like, oh, her skirt, like just the, her skirt is so short. Oh my goodness. Just like the scandalized adults, you know? So I also remember the hit me baby one more time, uh, music video, literally memorized the choreography Mm -hmm. and would do it in between my productions of Grease for my stuffed animals. Cute. My favorite choreography to actually do is the sometimes music video. Mm. I also appreciate Drive Me Crazy. Oh, I love Drive Me Crazy. And I also love doing the, um, oh, now I have Look What You Made Me Do. What's the red jumpsuit one where she's in space and there's a Titanic uh callback? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. What's the song? I see, I, 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 I'm blanking. Oops, I uh, there did. It is. Yeah, it is. There it is. Okay, yeah. I was like, I had to do the choreography physically. I'm like, what did I do? I played with your heart, got lost in a game. I, see, I just see her. Co- <laughs> I just see the costume and her makeup because I remember thinking, God, that looks so hot. Right. So I was a Britney stan, mm-hmm. and from like she was one of the first CDs I think I ever owned and listened to on the bus, as well as Will Smith's getting jiggy with it. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that was the era too, though. Like that was kind of what we like. That's yeah. That was pop at the time. And then I think I am just old enough and yet young enough to where I got to block out all of the purity versus sexable stuff Mm. that would happen in the press. Because it's not like I was actively consuming Us Weekly or People Magazine as a child. Sure. I was at grocery stores reading the headlines. So you kind of like get bubbled out of that. But watching the documentaries and hearing people talk about her now and whatnot, and this whole idea that, like, she was supposed to be a Madonna virgin, Mm -hmm. and yet she was also the tramp dancing around in her Catholic schoolgirl skirt. And it's that dichotomy that we're always seeing in our young pop stars, where it's like, this is the first way that they undermine us and anything that we're ever going to have to say. Yeah, and it's just so upsetting how it's like this forced sexualization in order to get fame, but then the condemnation for it when they're old enough to understand their sexuality. Correct. And it's the, and no one is putting on their outfit for Drive Me Crazy and thinking one day I might have to be going through a high profile divorce. Right. And it will be this crop top that everyone plasters all over the internet about why I don't get custody of my kids. Right, right. And the thing with Britney too that I remember a lot was because you managed to like not hear the rhetoric, but because I was in a very religious environment, that was all we heard. Yeah. Don't let your daughters, you know, this isn't appropriate. How dare. I even remember like one of um one of my church people, she brought the pastor a Britney Spears CD and a Jewel CD and said, my the youth pastor, and said, my mom wants you to listen to these to determine whether or not it's appropriate for me to listen to. Well, I hope he at least thought that Jewel was appropriate to listen to. Her hands are small, we know. Yeah. They are not hers, they are her own. But it's that, <laughs> like- and it's, but it's that kind of like putting the control putting the control in someone else's hands yeah to make them like your parents didn't feel like they could make that decision like but even still if they 
they want, I don't know, it could have been an excuse. So they didn't have to make the decision. I have no idea. But when those types of things are the experiences that you're having, when this major pop star is having like a, like a skyrocketing career, it's really hard to reconcile, like liking the music, liking her with being told that that's bad. Correct. But it's like, how and, is it bad? I'm having fun. The music's fun. The lyrics, you know, don't read them. Just sing along. But like. And then. And as we know, like Taylor Swift went through this too. These women start out as their pop stars so young because that's also part of the fetishizing of them. Yeah. Is that they have to be like 14 tops when they start. So then, because you start your career so young, you're already at a disservice because it's like, what's that girl writing songs about? Right. Why is she talented? She's not an opera award Tony winning actress. And it's like, well, no, she's 13. Mm -hmm. She just got out of the Mickey Mouse Club. Right. And all of that builds up into what we know Britney as today and I was old enough to watch her spiral happen. So we went to North Carolina to visit family for my grandfather's 90th um, birthday. So this is 2006. And Brittany had just had one of her kids just like chilling in her lap in the car. So we're in North Carolina. The, we're getting in the car with all the family to do something. My son's not quite two yet at this point. And my, my cousin's like, just put them in your lap. That's what we do down here. You know, I grew up in California. We don't do that shit. And I was mm -mm. like, all right. And then, or maybe it was, maybe that happened after. Maybe her kids are younger than mine. But still, the point is, is when that happened, I remember thinking, well, that's how it's done in the South. I, I understand that it's bad. I understand the safety issue. But why is it that, well, I knew why it was that Britney was getting hounded for it versus everyone else in the South. With that said, it was definitely a moment of like, oh, we're having a, cult a class clash, a culture clash. That's what I was trying to say. Say it five times fast. <laughs> also, in the whole Britney story can be wrapped up in no one actually wants to think deeply about the nuance that is Britney Spears's life. Mm -hmm. I remember that photo. I also remember that paparazzi were climbing on her car. Like, that I remember she undid the car seat and all of it to grab her kids so they'd stop scaring him. And that's and that's the thing that I think isn't being paid attention to enough right now with her media storm and like the backlash, not the backlash, but like the past of the Britney Spears, because what we learned in the Beckham documentary is that the kids were freaked out by so much paparazzi because it was so aggressive. We knew and we know paparazzi is aggressive and there's like sort of this provocation to get the the picture because, you know, we all got to eat. We all live in a society where we all got to eat and got to get our coins so we can eat, but at the expense of other people. And how scary is it? Like there's a scene in the Beckham documentary where Victoria is just like, it's okay, kiddos. Like, I mean, she doesn't call them kiddos, but she's like, it's okay. Like it's going to be, you know, mommy and daddy are here, like blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, how fucking terrifying for a child slash the parent who doesn't know if that photographer is going to be bold enough to break into my car. I mean, and we saw Princess Di go through that with Harry and William, literally yeah. begging grown men on the street. Hey, can my kid just have their first day of school? 
Like, we'll do five minutes of pictures and then please just go. Yeah. And not everyone is going to have the wherewithal, the grace, or, you know, the confidence to do what Princess Di did and set boundaries. And also, then you're just opening up your boundaries to be disrespected. Right. So I think the thing that the illustration of Britney Spears's spiral is when I think about that time, we were still like casually millennium racist. We mm -hmm. were still casually millennium homophobic. Mm -hmm. We're still casually millennium um, sexist. Making, sexist, making fun of the mentally ill, all mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. So then Britney starts to struggle because of whatever is going on with her medically or emotionally or with all of the stress outside factors. Mm -hmm. And instead of seeing a woman in crisis, we love to push successful women off a cliff and be like, haha, we knew that you couldn't be doing this and, and doing it well. Yeah, it feeds into the narrative that women are crazy and you you give them too much power and they can't handle it. And, you know, all of that sort of bullshit to keep us down. And I think what it truly illustrates for me when I'm watching the documentaries and revisiting podcasts and all of it is, no, truly, I am unsafe if I am a woman who is publicly struggling. Mm -hmm. Because I also remember from the early millennium, um, Michael Jackson throwing a blanket over his kid's head and dangling him from a balcony but we never talk about it anymore. And people still put their kids in Michael Jackson's house. So it's just different the way yeah. that we're treated when we're in crisis, but also very loud and apparent mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. that crisis. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking because for so many reasons, one of which is, is was this crisis inevitable? Because her parents really did push her into performance at such a young age like we've all seen the star search competition performance that is a little girl who is a powerhouse voice who is just commanding presence who's going places but she's a little girl yeah so started very very young and then because her parents weren't exactly the best support system what it's like was her de her demise was inevitable is that is that the conclusion to this because she had shitty parents probably yes but then also it's like how different would her life have been if if she had had a support system that said we know you're talented but we also want to make sure that you're healthy and safe and you and i have talked before about how literally it's a lottery on what mm -hmm. pop divas are actually going to survive their startup right so as you know i very much believe that kesha was as brilliant and as talented as Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. Lady Gaga got to be eccentric in a very controlled way where I believe that she was actually in control of her narrative throughout. Mm -hmm. And now Gaga does whatever Gaga wants to fucking do with her career. On our other side of the spectrum is Kesha, who was made to be party girl, slutty, eccentric. Mm -hmm. Again, we have a process where her credibility is stripped from her. Meanwhile, mm, we know, but we're not saying out loud that Kesha is being drugged and physically and sexually abused by her management. 
and no one wants to believe her because she's just the girl who who brushes her teeth with a bottle of Jack. It's a whole, it's a part, that's exactly how the system works. What can we do? That's our country. That's our legal system, 100%. What can we do to discredit this witness? What can we do to ensure that this witness isn't believable and that we can't have them tell the story? Even though our law is written to be gray, it's it in, in a lot of ways, it's very clear. It's very black and white in what you need to be and how you need to live in order to win. You either need to have a shit ton of money or which doesn't, that only works for men, or you need to live the most angelic life, which is nearly impossible because humans are flawed. I truly cannot, because I'm trying to run through my head of men who put themselves in scandalous situations, like writing songs about being drunk or hitting women or uh, crashing cars or racing cars or doing blow. And then not knowing or at this point i wonder if we're starting to realize like anything i put in a song anything i put in a book anything that i do in a movie if i am later in life a victim mm -hmm. of abuse now that discredits me because no one wants to believe me because i'm just the girl in the red jumpsuit yeah, I mean, that's truly what it is. Like, we've had conversations with other people in the past. Like, there's this idea, I, and I understand the concept. You are who you run with. I get that. But it's deeper than that, and it's a little more nuanced than that. Because I don't know if you've ever been this friend. I've been the friend where no one's offered the drugs. But right. they all go into the bathroom to do the lines. I had no idea. Of course, you know, once I realized what was going on, three years into the friendship, it was like, I got to get out because I don't want people thinking I do that shit because people probably thought I did that shit because they knew that that person did that shit. But that is not a vibe I'm into. But it's that kind of concept, right? Like you are who you run with, but there's no room for like the believability that somebody didn't do, like somebody in the group doesn't do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. There's no separation of... Brittany being a woman who is in distress because of a medical and mental situation. Mm -hmm. And Brittany, who is also in distress because she is a woman who has been medically and emotionally and mentally abused for 13 years now. If not longer. Honestly, I think it's longer. Honestly, because, because even just with everything that she was doing in the early 2000s, like with the with the revel with the reveal that like she was pregnant and J Justin Timberlake like forced her to get an abortion. I don't think it was just Justin. No, she's never between the abortion coming out, her saying in a courtroom, I have an IUD in my body. It's preventing me from having children that I want to have and they will not let me take it out. They will not take me to the doctor. I'm not allowed to drive a car. I'm not allowed to fall in love and get married. It's like, when was the last time Brittany had body autonomy? And we like to think of things as isolated incidents where right. it's like, this is happening to Brittany. Brittany deserves this. She walked barefoot in a gas station. She, cha she shaved her head. She put her kids in danger in a car. So that happens to Brittany because Brittany made choices. But then I have also been on the phone with my sister and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like cleaning my house 
because dad is visiting and I don't want to be put into a conservatorship because now I have to start thinking about what is it like to be a woman who is basically treated like a second class citizen in our Mm -hmm. family structures, Mm -hmm. who then also becomes a problem. Right. And then that problem has to go away. And we do set the idea that Britney Spears's medical abuse is something isolated and has only happened to Britney Spears is ridiculous because we all watched Judy Garland uh, go through that throughout her career. Also, we we read medical articles from a long time ago. I'm not going to pretend to understand time and. <laughs> about doctors literally like molesting women into orgasm and calling that psychiatric help right or there's the other side of that too with like the story of henrietta Lacks. if no one's ever read that book the immortal life of henrietta Lacks, she's literally the reason why we have the gila um ah what's the word i don't know i'm gene is the only word that's coming to mind i can't remember because it's been a minute since i've read the book but they basically like stole her cells and studied them. She had ovarian cancer and like, she's the reason why so much medical advancement has happened, but it was all against her will. She had no idea. She had no idea of the treatment. She had no idea of what she was going through and her family suffered for it. Um, in, like in such a way. And to your point about like <clears throat> the medical abuse that Britney Spears went through, I think what's really frustrating watching everything unfold because at the time when she started her downfall I I think I was very confused by it because I you know we didn't know a lot back then which is really gross and sad um and I was young because Brittany's only a handful of years older than me I mean maybe two she might be two or three years older than me um and now in the time of life where I'm at now I can look back and I can see it is a woman who's cry- crying out for help. It is a society that doesn't understand how to help. And now I have a lived experience of that because to your point about like, no, I got to clean my house. I'm not in a conservatorship. It's literally how I didn't raise my child in fear, but I did raise my child with the knowledge that somebody could become very upset about something that I did and call an authority to question whether or not I was a um, stain sable parent that should be allowed to raise her child. And that's what dictated my parenting. Mm -hmm. And I hate that. So I understand Brittany's desire to want to have another chance to do it in a way without the fear of someone coming in and fucking it up for her. Yeah. And that kind of brings me into my point about how as a public, we find it so easy to believe these other people. Mm -hmm. So we just like looked at Britney Spears's creepy dad and her probably also abused mother and went, oh, they said that Britney can't take care of herself. That makes so much sense. She shaved her head. I believe you. But then we never thought past, oh, they said that Britney has dementia and cannot take care of herself, but she's doing a Vegas residency six nights out of the week or she's on tour or she's opening the VMAs or any of the things that we watched her do in these past 13 years that were under the conservatorship. Right. I remembered something else I wanted to say too about, you know, her bodily autonomy and just having the freedom and free will. We have the luxury as normies 
hopefully to grow into that, right? Like whether it's our parents guiding us into that, or it's just generally we're doing the work ourselves without realizing it because we've turned 18, we've gone off to college, we're doing these things. There was nobody there to help Brittany. They removed the conservatorship and said, have fun. Yeah. So now we have a woman who's 40 years old, who needs intensive therapy, probably who needs serious support. And, and we're just watching her twirly videos going, Oh my God. Yeah. What is wrong with her? Why is her panties so tight versus going, Oh, I'm willing to bet she's got emotional growth. She needs, she needs help with emotional growth because she's probably having a hard time processing what's happened to her. I would have a hard time with processing what's happened to me if that were my situation. Well, and as we know, science, don't ask me which science, but science <laughs> has dictated. I am not a doctor nor a scientist, but I am a time traveler. Um, science dictates that our brain, um, the emotional part of our brain that controls maturity basically ends at, and stops maturing at the moment that we are suffering repeated abuse. Right, right, right. Which is, and we see that often with people who abuse drugs. We see that often with people who've been molested. We see that often with people who've experienced extreme trauma. So there isn't this, it's like, if we know that, then why aren't we offering that grace and understanding to her? And why aren't we doing something to be more of a, of a society that can allow women to be flawed in this way. Like it makes me cranky when people are like, oh, I can't believe the interviews are happening via email because she's not doing a press tour for her book. No. So so it's, it's, it's this situation of like, yeah, I understand why she doesn't want to talk to any of the media outlets. Look at the way they've been talking about her, her entire career. Well, and at some point, she has to realize how vulnerable it makes her every time. Like when people are like, she's not going to read her own book. And I'm who like, cares? let, let, who? let the baby not read her book. Well, and number one, who cares? Number two, what if she doesn't want to relive that trauma? Number three, what if she's also very aware of how awful the public is already being about this book? Well, and that's the thing, the relive the trauma, right? Because here's the thing, you and I had a conversation, I forget which one of your episodes it was, or maybe it was one of my episodes. I had shared with you, I had played a character in a play who was mean. Mm -hmm. And not just mean, mean to Rosa Parks. No, not Rosa. Mm -hmm, Cause I was cast as a white person. Cause that seems to be a thing people like to do, but put me next to white people and everyone's gonna go, that one's not like the others. Um. And every day after rehearsal, the director was like, I need you to be meaner. And it's like, no, I understand. I have to get there because I'm going to go home and cry because mm -hmm. this character is really hard. And then, you know, the night of the performances I was, and then I would cry. The cast went out for drinks after, and I went home and cried because to get into that horrible dialogue and become that character was so taxing. So imagine having to read your memoir where you're talking about things that are deeply hurtful that you might not have healed from yet in the timeline of this memoir because a lot of people have the luxury of being gina davis mm -hmm. 
who gets to read her memoir about how the forced politeness of her family eventually led her to abusive and traumatic situations that she herself did not know how to get out of. Mm -hmm. But now Gina Davis is a well-respected member of Hollywood. She's a woman that we all look up to, especially me and you. Mm -hmm. And she had the luxury of taking time of processing. Mm -hmm. She gets to, trust a therapist because uh, a therapist has never been used as a weapon against her in a court of law. Like how is Amber Heard ever going back to therapy? Right. Once therapy is, and I used to explain this, and now we're gonna get into my teaching bullshit because I used to explain this to one of the schools that I fucking taught at when they would call the counselors and the therapists to de-escalate a student and then deliver a punishment like they were the punishment call and i was like no you cannot do that that person is the person supposed to be playing scrabble with them and tricking them into talking about their trauma right that is what they're supposed to be doing but anyways who am i um a person who understands psychology clearly uh, clearly so anyways so britney so gina davis had the gift of time and she had the gift of actually working through her bullshit. As mm-hmm. we know, Britney Spears did not have the gift of time because at some point she was like, we have to write this book. It has to be 300 pages. It has to go out immediately. Justin Timberlake is going to be on my ass and he always wins. Yeah. And he does always win. Justice for Janet. Justice for Janet. And he's going to come out with a stupid fucking noodle ramen head and he's going to be like, I don't, maybe she miscarried and I'm missing her and what was going on. And he'll spin and he'll spin and he'll spin. And we will believe him because we like bye, bye, bye. Right. And people want to continue to believe that they should get to sleep with Justin Timberlake. And therefore they have to rationalize in their head why Justin Timberlake wouldn't do the awful things that he probably did to Britney, to Janet. God knows what's happening to Jessica Biel any of it have you have you heard i mean you're on tiktok more than i am i was looking at my tiktok the other day and i was like when did my tiktok get so white probably because i was watching a lot of taylor swift stuff (laughs) and that changed my algorithm but somebody on tiktok was like don't you think it's a little interesting that now suddenly justin timberlake is conveniently working again with nsync after all these years of not working with nsync it's convenient timing that it's coming up around the time that britney's novel is coming out because he's trying to ignite that the theory is, is he's trying to light that it nostalgia in us. So we're on his side when these horrific things come out about him. Honestly, all of my TikToks. working. Honestly, all of my TikToks about Justin Timberlake have been black women yelling at him. Which, Thank God, because we're still mad about the Janet thing. As you should be. Mm-hmm. And in, so she knew. She knew that she was on a clock. She knew that at any point her dad could lawyer up. Jamie Lynn could spill a secret. Anything. And she doesn't have a support system that's like, hey, baby, boo-boo, we're going to help. Therapy has been weaponized against her. Family has been weaponized against her. Well, and the guy she married, who knows how honest and true that was. I mean, he became such a gross human in the divorce process. Like, my heart hurt for her when that happened. I mean, Octavia Spencer came out and was like, girl, get that prenup. And then, you know, everyone jumped on Octavia for that. And I was like, I feel like Octavia is the auntie that we all need to remind us that even though we are in love, we're still being abused. (laughs) Because honestly, as you know, my conspiracy theory 
is that that man was hired by right. Britney's dad to court her and be a voice, be like an ear on the inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I at this point, I wouldn't put anything past Britney's dad. Right. Anything can, you know, sneakily and underhanded. And the thing about the conservatorship is it was written in a way where Brittany could say, hey, I want a lawyer who's never spoken to my father. I want a lawyer who only speaks to me. And they'd be like, that's cute. We control your money. Right. We're not paying a lawyer that we're not okaying. We're also hiring everyone for you. So we're also not doing that. Right. And then the court backed up all of these people and went, well, that's the terms of the conservatorship. If she doesn't have control of her money, she doesn't have control over her money. How is she supposed to pay for a lawyer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's frustrating, too, because I remember from the doc, there was a situation where she had come to court and she's like, why does this attorney deserve a raise? It literally he literally wrote to the court to ask for more money for a higher pay because I'm doing better. So if I'm doing better, then why is he still here? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, girl. He's I'm not my so, therapist. <laughs> I'm so proud of her for the way she was able to go to bat for herself repeatedly during the um, conservatorship hearings because that's scary. That's hard. And because of how public it was, like the vulnerability needed to muster up. And again, what kind of support did she have going through it? Probably none. And that breaks my heart too, because she deserves to have a trusted confidant to help her get through the, to the next phase of life. Hey friends, now's a great time for you to go into your podcast player to rate and review the show, unless you're driving because safety never takes a holiday, but ratings and reviews help this show get found by other listeners. And these types of things matter to the platforms who play your favorite show. Okay, thank you in advance for your review. Do you love to read, but then hate the screen adaptation so much you're left to wonder, did they even consult the source material? Or are you the type who refuses to watch the screen adaptation of your favorite book? Maybe you're the type who loves to compare the book to the screen adaptation. If any of these resonate, then Jelly Pops Book Club is the book club for you. We read book to screen adaptations and dissect their differences, discuss whether or not the screen captures the themes of our beloved books, and how the screen adaptation measures up. Sometimes there are guests, and sometimes it's just me, Julia Washington. Jelly Pop's book club was born from our parent show, Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we analyze pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. We covered quite a few book-to-screen adaptations over there, and our Patreon community wanted more, so we started a live book club. Now, that live book club has inspired this show. In our book club, you can read the book or watch the screen adaptation. It's not like your junior year English class where you'll get dinged if you write your essay based on the movie. If you're interested in our live book club, head on over to patreon.com slash Julia Washington to learn more. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Thanks for tuning in, y'all.
we have created this mythos around Britney Spears that plays into the misogyny and the abuse by just going, of course, she's not going to read her book. She probably can't read anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, I can't believe that she's twirling around in her underwear. As you know, my conspiracy theory is that if Britney took the time to brush her hair and put on blue jeans before she started her twirly twirls, mm-hmm. everyone would be like, good for her getting back on it. Yeah. And if her, like, I feel like her makeup too, if her makeup mm-hmm. was a little different, people wouldn't be so touchy yeah, about it. Yeah. Cause she clearly sleeps in her makeup, which is fine. Me too. Mm-hmm. Cause <laughs> oh. listen, it's hard being sad and it's hard when you don't have a support system. It's hard when you want to talk to someone and you don't know if there is someone to talk to. There's a huge amount of containment that has to go, that goes into it. You I, willing to bet she's scared to even write stuff down in a journal could you imagine because her it does sound because i didn't watch the court uh proceedings mm-hmm. i listened it does sound like there are moments where she's reading from something that she's pre-written which is right. common practice we're not slandering right but i all i can imagine is her like locked in a bathroom writing it on toilet paper right so that she's not caught preparing for her own trial right Uh, and so as a society we're playing this game where we're supporting britney and we want her to do well hashtag save britney um justice for britney let's get britney away from her dad then we dropped all of that as Mm -hmm. soon as she didn't become one of my favorite terms the perfect female victim right and she didn't like start a book club or a garden and like put on some cute dresses and brush her hair she didn't go back to being the girl we fell in love with 23 years ago right she didn't start um you know re-releasing all of her music so that they were christmas bops so in our head I don't know if the public has decided that we made a misstep, but I've seen an awful lot of uh, comments on those twirling videos being like, oh, maybe she does need someone babysitting her. No, that's not the problem. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that we have no idea what the medication that she was incorrectly prescribed and incorrectly given did to her brain it's the same thing that happened to Kesha. And I'm tired of people believing that like, your brain being medically abused for a decade isn't going to affect how you process things how you present to people Mm -hmm. but when you listen to her in those courts i was like well shit, she's handling that better than i would because as you know i cry every time someone confronts me I would again, like I said, I was so proud of her because she had the it wasn't that she just that she had the wherewithal. She came to court to play. She wasn't gonna fuck around. She came to court with receipts on why she dirt deserved her own self back. And I think she doesn't get enough credit for that because that tells me there's somebody in there trying so hard to exist and have the freedom to exist in the way that you and I get to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also when it comes to the physicality, when it comes to the dancing, 
um, when it comes to the nudity, I'm like, well, number one, this is starting to feel ageist. Mm-hmm. Britney Spears's body has aged. Her face has aged. Um, one with, you know, with drug abuse, uh, not even self induced drug abuse. <laughs> right. Drug abuse, forced drug abuse. We know that drugs age you quicker. So this, you know, and that's not her fault. I wasn't aware that we, I, maybe I was aware that we still prescribe lithium, mm-hmm. <laughs> but lithium is a scary drug that like feels like it's something that like King Henry VIII would drink every night before like abusing a wife. Yeah. So like when she says she goes, they just kept increasing my dose of lithi- lithium. I've looked into it. Lithium is a highly lethal drug that does a bunch of things to your body, your brain, and your, like, health. Mm -hmm. But I kept being given more, even if I was improving. And it's a control measure. And to think that it's anything but a control measure is ridiculous. Right. They needed her to be docile and doled out enough that she would do whatever they said without questioning it. But they also needed her high and hyped enough that she could dance in Vegas every night. Right, because she's still their ticket to money. And so when it comes to like, well, she's not dancing that great. And I was like, well, she is in her mid to upper 30s. Um, She hasn't been working in a while um every time i take a week off of walking or yoga the next time i do it it feels like dying Mm -hmm. it feels like dying it i mean again i'm not a scientist and i'm not like a sports doctor but someone at some free library workout class told me that it is so easy for your muscles to to lose memory right um, and not actually remember the high caliber workouts that you are used to doing. That's why we have physical therapy. Right. The other thing that's kind of like that I'm observing that I don't know how to process is, and this is more of a, a general statement, but right now it's really highlighted because of Brittany is this expectation that celebrities owe us something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's an age old. Yeah. We've talked about it right? before. Like that's, we've talked to, and it's been talked about for decades. The Royals go through it as well, but it's like, I don't, and, and to, to an extent, I understand why people feel like they owe the Royals own the Royals because you know, it's tax money that keeps them floating. With that said though, I guess I just don't understand this public ownership over a celebrity mm-hmm. because when you think about like there are musicians out there who are like I just want to make music and they're very successful with just doing that and people are like cool let them be like they just kind of let them yeah. exist but then you have pop stars like I don't know okay let me let it's uh, here's I'm gonna redirect a little bit what I'm hoping to read in the book is whether or not Britney even wanted to have a music career slash be a mega pop star mm-hmm. because part of me feels like she would have been content singing and dancing at any capacity at any point in her life. If her career was just professional dancer, musician or singer, I feel like she would have been happy with that. I could be wrong, but what the twirly videos tell me is that she loves to move. She loves 
the movement of dance. There's something about dance that makes her feel free and light. And I think that what I'd like to know, and hopefully she addresses it in her book, is would she have been fine if she just ended up going from Star Search to Mickey Mouse Club to being a backup dancer? Mm -hmm. But instead, someone tapped her and was like, you got it, kid. We're going to make you a star. And because her parents were so like money hungry and because she was so young, it turned into this pop diva thing that maybe she didn't even want. She just wanted to sing and dance. Right. And when it comes to the nudity, which has kind of slacked off, but do you remember when she first left the conservatorship and every day we were getting a nude selfie with a with a sea clam? The stars <laughs> over her nipples for Instagram? Yeah, with a starfish <laughs> like, nipple. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my sister and I called that right away. We were like, get naked, Brittany. You've never been naked on your own terms. And that's the other thing, too. Like, why is everyone so scandalized by the fact that she wants to be wearing what she wants to be wearing and then putting it on the Internet? How is that any different than if she were to shoot a cover for um, Men's Health or Sports Illustrated or, you know, some other magazine that would put her in something a little skimpy? Like, like, I don't understand. The democratization of the Internet gives the power back to the person who has that feed. Yeah. Exactly. So I was like, put your seashell, your clam shell, wherever you want it to be, Brittany, put it because you've never been naked on your own terms. Mm -hmm. And and so there's like this overcorrection that your body and your brain does where it's like it's like when I told a kindergartner one time that the best thing about being adult an adult was I could have M&Ms for lunch and ice cream for dinner and no one was screaming at me. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, tr like, that's, I mean, truly, truly. And, and no one's telling me when to turn off the TV or whatever, when you have no freedom, and then all of a sudden, you're given unlimited freedom. Of course, she's going on trips. What do you think I'm going to do the first thing? Listen, as we know, I've started telling people that I'm not spending time with people I don't want to spend time with, because then that's money that I have to spend on people I don't want to spend money on. And I could be saving that 50 to 60 bucks for a plane ticket to go see people I want to see. Right. Truly. Like, and it just. You think they were taking her on vacations for the conservatorship? You think they were taking her to Bermuda? No. And it doesn't seem that different from when you live with your parents between the ages of zero and 18 or zero and 20. Mm-mm. The only difference is, is that she should have been able to make her own decisions and that was taken away from her. And I think the misogyny and the way that our system is broken, it comes into that twofold like plot that happened where mm -hmm. it's first we stripped her credibility. Right. We let it known to be everywhere that she was mentally unwell. She's unhinged. She's a safety to concern to herself and her kids and we stripped her reputation down and then when that wasn't enough and she still and she kept making choices that were going to jeopardize the brand then her dad said and now we'll take her money and we know as women that sometimes the only thing between you and safety is the money that's in your bank account right it is it does feel very much like okay here's what we're gonna do mm -hmm. step one ruin her reputation step two control her money 
and we and, all played into it yeah and it's really easy to do that because we are so obsessed with celebrity i mean there are god bless the people who aren't i don't know how you exist in this world <laughs> but it is it is one of those things you know those tiny morsels of whatever we are thrown about a celebrity that we can speculate on, which is why I loved, sorry to bring it back to the Beckham doc, but that's why I loved the Beckham doc so much because they put context in all of, on all of the headlines that were coming out at the time about them. And they were so vulnerable in, in that they were willing to be vulnerable in that saying like, Hey, that headline was fucked up. Here's what was going on. And I really, it, it, it serves as a reminder that we don't know what is happening on the inside. Somebody mm -hmm. sold that picture to TMZ, to us, to, to us weekly, to people because they got kids to feed. And then that publication took it and ran with it in however way they want to. And now you have other, you have Instagram accounts that are doing shit like that now too. But it's like, how, how, how did we. How did we go from the point of we were so awful to Britney Spears 23 years ago to still being awful to Britney Spears now? Like, where did all that growth go that we went through as a culture and society to be right back where we were 22 years ago with how we treated her? Ableism and sexism. Ableism and sexism. <laughs> because in our head, and I think... This is why I think this is what separates me from the people who aren't thinking about what they're saying when it comes to Britney Spears. I live in this. I live in the ways that we will be abused, that stories yeah. will be turned in against us. Like this is, this is my calling. <laughs> I do it once a week for everyone. And I took that on because I thought that this show was going to be me bitching about my boyfriends. <laughs> And whoopsie do. And then I found a new calling. Turns out that there's misogyny everywhere and we're all being dying from it. So it turns out, and I think this is truly what makes people uncomfortable and why we sensual, sensationalize it and why we make it a joke. Because we have to logically know that if this happened to Britney Spears, that that means that there are 34,000 women who were just down on their luck, had a bad dad, had a bad husband, were trying to leave, had money in their bank account, where this has also happened to them. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is some really good documentation. Because isn't that what we're always told to, just in general? Like when we're going through a situation, document anything, document everything. But because I was raised by people who were paranoid and we watched a lot of psychological thrillers before I was probably old enough to actually fully comprehend why that was a bad idea to watch that movie at eight years old, Hitchcock mm -hmm. movies. Um, <clears throat> there's a part of me who's that's like, I know that you will doctor that to make it look in your favor. I've seen it play out. I have yeah. former friends who were accused of being inappropriate with a student. And then I was asked to help edit texts to look like they were at a different date and time. And I said, no, but because of my zippy wow graphic design skills, which aren't that great, that was a request. And I just thought, no, this is no, no. You're just reaffirming the fact that people are going to do shady shit to get out of doing shady shit and or get so out of the accountability for shady shit. 
So when you, and I know this because I serve as a mirror a lot to bullshit that no one wants to comprehend. Right. So if you're sitting and watching the Britney Spears, I do think part of our survival instinct is to go, she deserved it. She wild out. This is what that's happened. Part of, that's part of the message on purpose. Yes, that's part yeah. of the message on purpose. She wild out. She was unhinged. Someone had to get a hold on her or whatever, because I mean, okay, I don't want to use this as an example because I'm a white lady, but we've seen get out <laughs> like where it's like it's so insidious and it's so subtle that we don't even question why we feel that way about Britney Spears. Mm -hmm. And this week, as in today, but not today, because you're listening to this episode in the future. So last week, we released an episode with Elizabeth and Darcy about um, Final Girls in horror. And I made the point and I was like, I think why horror gives me the tingles from my head to my toes and why I can lose myself in the tension and the thrill of it, I go, is because when I watch Final Girls go through what they're going through, I know in the back of my brain, it is very realistic that I would go through that or I have already gone through something like that in varying degrees. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that's why I can't do certain types of genres because it's like it's too close because it's still happening every day. I know that's why you have to swipe to like get yourself swept away in a in a, a rom com, Jules, because you have to believe that people are good and worth dating. Yeah. And I'm just well, like and not even just good and worth dating, just good and just good and worth spending time with because it is really lonely when you're when you're by yourself. Yeah, um, all the time, but. I think the thing that really kind of helped me come out of the Britney brainwash, you know, the anti-Britney brainwash was having gone through similar experiences. Like when she lost custody of her kids, I cried for her mm -hmm. because she's always wanted kids. We knew this when she had her children, she was thrilled. She was delighted. It was like, she finally fulfilled her dream. And then to go through all of that, and and to also experience a similar situation where someone tried to take my kid away, not mm -hmm. to the extent of Britney's, but, you know, fighting for custody isn't easy. It's no, not it's an not easy battle. And it is very much like as much as men want to believe as much as men want you to believe that California favors the mothers and doesn't care about the fathers. There was still a lot of bullshit I had to go through to prove that I was the right parent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think when it comes to Britney's dad, Britney's mom, Justin Timberlake, and all of it, it was easier for our brains to villainize Britney mm -hmm. as being a girl who dared to struggle. Because isn't the mentality also, well, if three people are saying something about you, it must be true. It must be true. It can't be that all of those people are assholes. How, why would so many people all say the same thing about that person? Right. I don't know, Jan, have you never been in junior high? Like, <laughs> so, but I think at the core of it, it's because, and you and I see this all the time, where I'm like, people just truly want white men and white people to be good. Mm -hmm. And they will tell themselves anything to make their brain avoid the fact 
that a white man did something bad. And yet I sit here and I'm like, the math ain't mathin' with the statistics of it all and the history. Can we also kind of go back to the Justin Timberlake abortion situation? Yes. Because I fell deep into the comment section about that post on people on their Instagram, which I probably shouldn't have done for my own mental health and wellness. But I think I immediately messaged you and was like, everyone is protecting Justin in this situation. Oh, poor Justin. He doesn't deserve this. This is private information. How dare you share something that happened to to Justin? Oh. It's her fucking body. This happened to her. It is her situation. It is her scenario. It is her. It is Britney, 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 Britney. It's Britney, bitch. Okay. Like Britney you don't bitch. get to protect Justin in this situation. And this is why our society is so fucked up and probably why we lost Roe. No, because that's what I was protecting the men in her abortion. There were in versus how did that make Britney feel? And how did that contribute to her fucking demise? Countless men, countless, countless men. Men that I have respected, men that I have laughed with, men that I have shared holidays with, men that I no longer speak to. Countless men have looked me fucking in the face when it comes to abortion and Roe and all of it and gone. So what you're saying is a dad doesn't have the right to his own kid not being murdered or killed or what if that guy wanted to be a dad, this, that, or the other. I was like, well, number one, y'all don't want to be dads when the baby arrives. Mm -hmm. That baby arrives and you guys think that being dad is playing catch. Yeah, <laughs> Being dad is just imposing all of your beliefs onto a well, and it, goes, it goes back to that whole um uh the original concept of like whose property is it because with royalty it doesn't matter that it's my body the fetus is property of the crown mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so then and then they want that to be like a moral question that breaks your heart. Oh, all of these countless men who just truly wanted to be fathers and then all of these nasty women took away their shot. Yeah. And then we lose our rights and we lose our body autonomy. And that's exactly what happened to Brittany when she was having a child. Right. And that man went, I don't want it, abort it. And then people want to be like, Justin probably had a really hard time making that call. No. Don't come at me with that. Yeah. Don't come with me with that because the verbiage said she was told to do it, not mm -hmm. asked, not that they had a grown up conversation. No one had a family meeting. No one had a mediation. And it's not like she was in an emotional state to stand up for herself either, probably. <clears throat> right. Because how many of us at 20 years old could stand up for ourselves in that way? It's sounding very men's rights is what mm -hmm. it's sounding like. Mm -hmm. We have about three minutes left, so oh, I want to make sure that you've covered everything on your outline. Yeah, I mean, really, the things I w was what's in the book, like my hope in the because uh, I'm going to get I'm going to find a way to get my hands on this book on Tuesday. <laughs> Money be damned. Um, Is Audible not going to have the book? That was my plan. <laughs> oh, probably. But I, I also want to like give her I also want to like buy the book so she I has know. you know the royalties but i i really hope uh the book gives us some answers to how she is feeling and why we are all why society is so fucking trash to her you know like not why but like i just yeah i wanted to talk about the book and i wanted to talk about 
the Justin Timberlake thing. Well, well, good news, Jules. We'll be talking about the book for our November Patreon episode. I know. I'm excited because then we'll actually have read the book. Yes, because <laughs> surprise, 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 surprise. Uh, this is a twofold episode. So this was us processing all of our feelings about Britney and the public and the paparazzi and the nuance that is being overlooked. Um, and then we're going to read the book and destroy ourselves. Yeah. And then we will rise again. And then we will rise again as a phoenix <laughs> and yeah, deliver just... you a really great book review <laughs> of the woman in me. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous. I think I'm I think I'm gonna have to take a week off. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I, I will be doing a lot of laying down. Because I think what's different about this for us specifically, our generation specifically, is that Brittany is our peer in terms of like age. Uh huh. So it's not like reading a memoir of somebody who is 20 years older than us. And we're like, oh my God. Like when we read Gina Davis's book for book club, it was a lot like, oh my God, like Gina. But Brittany is our peer. We lived through everything she lived through and we got it wrong. Yeah. It's not like it'll be the Judy garland memoir when we're like of course that happened that was a terrible time right. for women it's gonna be similar to like when we read paris hilton's book i think yeah and we were like oh shit did i live through a terrible time for women yeah <laughs> am i living through a terrible time for women stop mm -hmm. telling me it's gotten so much better yeah yeah I know Natalie tells people to come to my show for the research, but I didn't do any this time because there's so much about Britney in the media from podcasts dedicated to her censorship to over analysis of her social media. This woman has been covered so closely that the only thing I wanted to do with this episode is focus on how the windstorm surrounding her has impacted women like Natalie and me. We'll be back in November after reading her book, and like everyone else who covers pop culture, we're going to do an episode about it, but it will be a bonus episode, so you've got to join us on Patreon for that. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is produced and edited by me, and I want to thank Natalie for agreeing to do this co-episode for our respective shows, and I want to thank her for our creative partnership. I really love it when you can find somebody who you work really well with and also feed off of each other's creativity and grow versus feeling threatened and insecure. It's a great place to be. If you can't get enough of this show, you can join us on Patreon. Over there, you get bonus content like extra episodes, TV and movie reviews, and a bi-monthly social happy hour where we talk about pop culture things. Oh, and you also get ad-free episodes. If you're not ready to join one of the paid tiers, you can join our community for free and you'll get a few extras. It's just not as often as the paid tiers. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Until next time. <laughs>